0: Thank you to all our worship pastors. Hey, thank you. I know many people are joining us for online, Dalton campus, Rossville campus. It's great to see you there uh, as well. Thank you for being here at Rock Spring, wherever you may be engaging with us. Thank you for doing that this morning. Hey, Ephesians chapter four, start a sermon series that goes along with our 21 days in prayer. And today's the last day that we're praying together. And part of what we want to do during this 21 days of prayer, we want to, Focus our, ourselves together as a congregation. There's just a synergy in all of us praying kind of at the same time about the same things. But part of what we want to do is use the 21 days of prayer to help develop a prayer life for you. So, if you're if you're new to praying, if you're new to praying daily, and you've been doing it for 21 days, hopefully you have developed a habit now, and you'll keep that habit going in the near future. So so make sure you stay engaged with. Don't stop praying today. Let's keep it going. But during this 21 days of attitudes, I've been preaching uh, from Ephesians 4 uh, about attitudes matter, and so we we've talked about. You know, how to a bad attitude and what to do about it. We we've talked about how to cultivate a good attitude, renewing our minds. We're gonna look at some of those similar things again today. But today I, I want to preach on maybe the most important sermon on attitudes, and that is attitude repair. How do we repair our attitude? So Ephesians chapter four, we'll read there in just a moment. I don't know if you know it or not. America is one tired nation. I don't know about you. I'm tired this morning. You tired this morning. I'm tired. It's been a long week. We've been busy all week long. We hadn't had a break all week long. I'm looking forward to going home and just crashing a little bit this afternoon. I mean, we are one tired nation. And the reason we're so tired much of the time is we're not getting the sleep we need. Uh, Here's what research will tell us that according to new research, the average American wakes up feeling well rested only three mornings out of the week, less than half the time you're not waking up feeling rested. That means you go to bed tired, you wake up tired. On average, Americans only get six hours of sleep on any given night, while the majority of us want eight hours or more. Now, I'd say for me, eight hours would be excessive. My body doesn't need that. I I just need five or six. I'll be thrilled with five uh, good hours. Don't always get that because they, we're just not sleeping enough. 66% of Americans report they need a full two hours or more to wind down before being able to fall asleep with parents of, With parents reporting they rarely get that much. No, if you got little kids at home, you don't get two hours to wind down. You get to get the kids in bed, you do the dishes, clean the house, do what you got to do, and you collapse somewhere in the house and just stay wherever you fell. We're not getting that. And so we're tired. 39% of Americans rate their sleep pattern. That is how often they wake up during the night when they fall asleep, whether or not they feel rested. We rate our sleep patterns as below average. Below average. Only 8% claim they have an excellent sleep pattern. Now, some of you listening to me today, wherever you may be, and you're one of those rare individuals that you just fall asleep when you want to fall asleep, you stay awake asleep all night long, and you wake up in the morning saying, hello world. Well, mm. that's what I think about that um lack of sleep so does it impact us this is where i'm moving next does lack of sleep impact us well here's what studies say lack of sleep can negatively and here's where i'm going impact mood and lead to feeling irritable or grumpy similar to the saying waking up on the wrong side of the bed remember we talked about that last week sleep deprivation has been linked to decreased functioning of the frontal lobe which is responsible for regulating emotions and behavior Clinic sleep deprivation may increase the risk for developing mental health conditions such as depression and anxiety. On the other hand, getting adequate sleep has been shown to improve mood and overall well-being. So let me go back to the top. We'll look at it again in a moment. Lack of sleep can negatively impact mood and lead you to feeling irritable or grumpy. Well, here's what else research tells us. When a person does not get enough sleep, their brain struggles to regulate emotions. Can I get an O.M.E. Oh me right there? And control impulses leading to feelings of irritability, frustration, and even anger. Lack of sleep can impact cognitive function, leading to difficulty concentrating, making decisions, solving problems. So we struggle to regulate our emotions. And literally last week when we talked about waking up on the wrong side of the bed and I told you you only wake up in a you know basically a good mood uh, 65 days out of the year and you, you're like, well wait some people were like really we wake up in a good well, good for you but a lot of people don't because we're not getting adequate sleep at night and we are literally waking up on the wrong side of the bed And so here's what I want to tell you you have forces fighting against your attitude you have forces fighting against your emotion because not only is sleep, Hurting your emotional well-being, not only is sleep or lack thereof, hurting your attitude. Keep in mind, you also have spiritual attacks from the enemy coming at you at the same time. So it is this potent cocktail when I wake up irritable, I wake up uh, emotional in the wrong way, and then the enemy comes after me, I am primed to be or to have a bad attitude. So, for the last time, I want to show you this. What is an attitude? Here's what we discovered it is a subtle way of thinking or feeling about someone or something, typically one that is reflected in a person's behavior. So, keep in mind that one definition tells us what we need to know about an attitude. It is in our minds, it is in our hearts, it is in our behavior. And so, I came up with this definition of attitude. Your attitude is how you think, what's going on in your mind which determines how you feel, what's going on in your heart, which reflects how you behave, which determines what's going on in your hands, but how you behave affects how you think and you wind up in a cycle, good or bad, that your life is constantly reinforcing whatever kind of attitude you have. So if you have a bad attitude, Your your bad behavior then reflects back and directs your thinking and you just wind up in a vicious cycle over and over again. But if you have a good attitude, a good attitude is reinforced by your behavior. So this is where we've been uh, landing. This is where we've been talking. So today, I want to talk about an attitude repair. You say, well, preacher, what is an attitude repair? Here's the truth for some of us. Your attitude has been broken. Your attitude has been damaged. Your attitude has been hurt. Your attitude has been stepped on by someone close to you in your life. And they've weighed heavy on you to damage your attitude. And so you find yourself dwelling in that land of a bad attitude. How do you repair that? Paul told us. Ephesians 4. Would you stand with me as we honor God's word by reading it? It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 4. Look beginning in verse 29. Ephesians 4, verse 29. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you along with all malice and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ. Thank you. You may be seated. So Paul is closing out this passage that has to do with our actions which reinforces our attitude. Paul is closing it out and he's telling us in those last few verses how to repair an attitude. So can I give you four things this morning what Paul said about repairing an attitude? Number 1, he said this, "Be careful what comes out of your mouth." Be careful what comes out of your mouth he says that in the introductory remarks he says it beginning in verse 29 no foul language should come from your mouth but only what is good for building up someone in need so that that it gives grace to those who hear no foul language should come from your mouth hear me this morning your attitude will follow your actions including the actions of your mouth Paul said this look all here's how it's worded in the Greek all language foul mouth no should come no should come isn't it it is an emphatic no in the Greek all language foul mouth no should come. It shouted. In the Greek. Well, what does he mean by that? Well, there's a couple of words I want to define. First of all, that word language is the word logos in the Greek. Now, that's a familiar word. The Bible says in John 1, in the beginning was the word. That is, in the beginning was the logos. There's a lot connected to the word logos. Uh, oftentimes, it can be a u- word that is used for God even. In the beginning was the logos. Well, what does it mean, logos, language? Well, it can mean a couple of things. First of all, it can mean a word, But it also can mean a message. Logos can be a word or a message. So when God said, let no foul word come out of your mouth. Let no foul language come out of your mouth. Let no foul message come out of your mouth. A lot of us have a bad attitude and can't repair it because there is a constant bad message coming out of our mouth. Well, that leads me to what does he mean by foul? Where the word foul there there is decayed, rotten, or something of no value. Now, it doesn't mean we might translate that in our vernacular of our day. We we might uh, translate it to only mean no cursing, no profanity, nothing untowards. Listen, it does mean that. It does mean that. Never for a Christian should anything uh, resembling profanity come out of our mouths. It is a violation of the word of God. We shouldn't let foul language come out of our mouth. We shouldn't let anything untowards come out of our mouth. We shouldn't let anything unseemly come out of our mouths. But that's not all that it means. It also means something of just no value, something that is just rotten. And so it just doesn't mean don't let your mouth produce a message of no value. Don't let your mouth produce a rotten message or a decayed message. And what happens to us, a lot of us have this rotten message that is constantly coming out of our mouth and we find it impossible to repair our attitude because our our mouth is hindering us from it. So God gives the opposite of that. If if a, if a bad message is not going to come out of our mouth, what should? Well, here's what he said. Rather, he said, good for building up. What is good for building up? In in, in the Greek meaning, it literally meant Holy Ghost. It was building up the house, constructing a house. What should come out of your mouth? Grace. Grace should come out of your mouth. Charity. It's where we get our word charity from uh, today. It is grace, it is charity, it is benefit, it is joy. So if you want to repair your attitude today, here's the truth. You cannot have a constant foul message coming out of your mouth. You cannot have a constant rotten message coming out of your mouth. You cannot constantly have words of no value coming out of your mouth. What you need are words coming out of your mouth that are building up around you you say what are they supposed to be building up the fact is the words that come out of your mouth should be building you up should be building others up should be building the kingdom up never ever doing the opposite so here's here's something i want you to hear when my attitude gets bad my messaging reflects it so if i want to repair my attitude I can start with changing my message. Remember, action before attitude, action before thoughts. Change your words, you can change your thoughts. So here's what it means. Your words always send a message. Your words are constantly delivering a message to those around you. Your words are constantly delivering a message uh, to you. Your words are constantly delivering a message to your family. And that message is either building up a good attitude or it's building up a bad attitude and it can all be impacted simply by your words. The, The Iowa State Fair is one of the Coolest things I've never been, but if you go online and read about the Iowa State Fair, it's one of the coolest events that ever happens. They, they have some, how do I word it, unique events at the Iowa State Fair. None more unique than the husband calling contest, where I had a three-minute video to show you, but it was too long. We cut it down to forty seconds. I'm going to show you in a moment where women go to a microphone and call their husbands and i'll just be honest with you they are not kind about it now you win a prize you win five dollars and a blue ribbon if you win the husband calling contest but let me, let me show you let me show you 41 seconds of the husband calling contest So you, you, you go, you go Google it yourself, and listen to them call their husbands. It gets far worse. Some of it is not fit for stage to show. All right, it is far worse. But here's what I'm going to tell you: um, some of those husbands call that Monday. It's like my wife won five dollars for that. Can she win five dollars every day? Here's what I'm going to tell you: you're that's not going to build up your house. Matter of fact, to summarize what Paul was trying to say in Ephesians 4.29, that the message that comes out of your mouth is either always going to tear down or build up. Tear down or build up. The message coming out of your mouth is going to tear down a good attitude or build up a good attitude. The message coming out of your mouth is going to tear down your family or build up your family. The message coming out of your mouth is going to tear down your life or build up your life. The message coming out of your mouth is going to tear down your relationships or build up your relationships. There is always a message coming from your mouth and that message determines the kind of attitude you have. So if you want to repair your attitude, start by using your words to build up around you. The Bible tells us that over and over. Proverbs chapter 25 says this, a word spoken at the right time is like gold apples in silver settings. A good word at the right time means the world to somebody. Here's what he said in Proverbs 16, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the taste and health to the body. Proverbs said this regularly, that the the sweet words, pleasant words, the right words spoken bring health to the body, the body. Listen, you can be destroying the literal physical health of people around you and you with the words that come out of your mouth. Proverbs 18, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Listen, your, your words are, are maybe destroying your attitude or bringing life into your attitude. Your words are destroying your family or bringing life into your attitude. As a matter of fact, Gary Smalley, in his book, um, uh, 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 Love as a Way, Gary Chapman, rather, in his book, Love as a Way, said this about words. Words are either bullets or seeds. That, that's something I can understand, Right? Bullets or seeds. Your words are bullets or seeds. That is, you're inflicting damage on those around you and even on your own life, or you're planting something in their life that's going to bring fruit later on in their life, and the choice is yours. So if I want to repair my attitude, first of all, be careful what comes out of your mouth. Secondly, if I want to repair my attitude, number two, be careful who you hurt. Be careful who you hurt. Ephesians, and it's not who you think it is. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 says this And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. It is no accident that immediately after talking about the words that come out of our mouth, Paul said, By the way, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Hurt the Holy Spirit. What do you mean by grieve the Holy Spirit? The word grieve there in the Greek means sorrow, cause pain, insult, or sadden. Now follow me this morning. When I have a destructive attitude towards others, I really have it towards God. You cannot get your relationship right with God and have it wrong with others. You cannot have a bad attitude with everybody else and have a right attitude with God. I mean, the Bible is pretty plain with that. When your bad attitude hurts others, when it hurts your family members and your coworkers and Christians and unsaved people, listen, here's what the Bible said, God grieves with them. Some people need to start repairing their attitude by making amends in the relationships you have hurt with your attitude. You say, well, how does that hurt God? Here's the principle: When you hurt the Holy Spirit, you hurt the Holy Spirit. When you hurt others, you hurt the Holy Spirit. When you hurt, others. you say, "How's that even possible?" I'll explain to you in two minutes. Listen to this: My girls play basketball. And uh, we grew up, we spent 20 years of our lives in a gym all all the time. They're five years apart. So I coached them through middle school. We had a great time. But there came a time in my life when I had to move to the stands. When they got in high school, I moved into the stands. And listen, the stands at a basketball game are a unique experience. People just say whatever they want to say in the stands. Now, look, guilty as charged, I was loud in the stands. As a matter of fact, I had somebody come down, sit next to me one time. I'd just been yelling at the refs a little bit. Now, nothing out of the way. Just been, you know, letting them know and coaching my girls from the sidelines. And somebody came in a little late, sat down next to me, and they said, now, you're a pastor, right? I'm like, shh, that's my girl in the court, be quiet. Yeah, that's my daughter down there. But I I was never mean to the girls. I was never mean to anybody. As a matter of fact, I mean, calling a ref blind, I don't think that's mean at all. That's just standard practice. And so, um, but I was never mean to other girls, never going to be mean to anybody else. But there was always a mama or two in the stands or a dad or two in the stands that just had no filter on their minds. I mean, I've been to stands with mamas and mamas shouting at their little girl, hey, don't throw it to Susie, she can't shoot. You say, I bet that hurt Susie's feelings. Susie never looked in the stands. But who did care? Was Susie's mama sitting three seats down? And Susie's mama quit looking at the ball court. And Susie's mama would turn over at the person who had just said it. And you didn't have to worry about offending Susie. She's playing basketball. But you're on mama's. She's making a list now, your mama's radar now. You hurt mama when you hurt mama's girl. And that's exactly what Paul is trying to tell us in Ephesians 4 verse 30. You hurt the Holy Spirit when you hurt others. When your attitude and your words lash out at a child of God, when your attitude and words lash out at your family members, when your attitude and your words lash out at somebody who's far from God, that the Holy Spirit of God has been nurturing their life, trying to get them to see the light of the gospel, trying to get them to find Jesus, trying to get them to find church, and then you lash out at them with an attitude or with words that hurt them, listen, you're not just hurting those people people you're hurting God as well you want to repair your attitude be careful who you hurt who who have you hurt see for some of us in the room the best thing you can do to repair your attitude is go and make it right with somebody that you have hurt with your attitude and then go make it right with God And you're carrying around that that in your life and you're like, well, preacher, when they apologize to me, hey, don't worry about them apologizing to you. You, you go be the Christian in the room. Because you want to be careful who you hurt. Number three, you want to be, you want to repair your attitude. N- number three, be careful what's in your heart. Be careful what's in your heart. Paul gave a list of things and he said, let all these things be removed from you. What are the things he want to remove from us? Look, I just, we just made a list here of the things. Look, look what he said. Let all bitterness be removed from you. What does it mean by bitterness? Extreme, cruel feelings. You know what bitterness is? Bitterness when you've been wrong and you wouldn't hurt anybody, but you wouldn't step in the way to stop hurt from happening to them. It's extreme, cruel feelings. He said, let all that be removed from you. Let anger and wrath be removed from you. What is anger and wrath? Two interesting Greek words. You'll see these used sometimes together, sometimes separately, but they literally mean long anger and quick temper. Wrath means quick temper. Anger means long anger. So what is anger and wrath? Anger is uh, and wrath are, are a quick temper at somebody, but it's also long anger. What is long anger? That is long time seething anger in your life towards somebody don't have it let all shouting screaming that's the word Let all slander. The word slander in the Greek is blasphemia, which is abusive speech or mockery towards somebody else. So we think blasphemia is always used towards God. It's not. It's used toward other people as well. And so he said, don't slander and let all malice uh, be removed from your life. That is hurtfulness to others. Here's what Paul said, that absolutely none of that should be hanging out in your heart. And here's the truth. You cannot have a good attitude if your heart is full of bitterness. If your heart is full of anger and wrath, if your heart is full of shouting and slander and malice, you cannot have a good attitude. So Paul is saying, if you want to remove, if you want to have a better attitude, you have got to get these things out of your heart. Even where nobody can see, it's got to go. The story popped up on my newsfeed a couple weeks ago about the San Antonio zoo a project the San Antonio zoo did for Valentine's Day as a fundraiser you say what does a zoo and Valentine's Day and a cockroach have to do with each other for $10 the zoo would name a cockroach after your not so special someone and feed it to an animal so if you got an ex boo out there you give them $10 and they'll feed it to an animal and name it and give you a card saying they did it. For $5, they'll do a vegetable for the vegetarian animals. But for $25, they'll name a rat after your ex and feed it to an animal in the zoo. You get a digital Valentine's Day card showing your support for the zoo. You can also send your ex a digital Valentine's Day card informing them that a cockroach rodent was named after them and fed to an animal. For a $150 upgrade, your ex will get a personalized video message showing themselves being fed to an animal. You say, who's doing that? Last year, over 8,000 donations were given to this in all 50 states and 30 different countries. Now, I'm not a clinical psychologist and I don't play one on television, but hear what I'm saying. If you're doing that, there's some bitterness hanging out in your heart. There's a little anger, there's a little wrath, there's a little malice hanging out in your heart. Hear me this morning, you cannot repair your attitude if you're letting those things always hang around in your heart. Sometimes our outward attitude problem is an inward heart problem. You've got to get your attitude right by getting your heart right. That is, you've got to let all of that bitterness go in your life. You've got to let all of that anger go in your life. You've got to let all of that wrath, all of that temper, all of that malice, all of that hate, inner shouting. Some of you'd say, I, I, I never shout anybody. No, but you, you may be quiet on the outside, but you're screaming on the inside. You, you may be docile on the outside, but there's rage on the inside. You've got to let all of that 100% has got to get out of your heart. You say, preacher, how do I do that? Listen, it'll take the power of the Holy Spirit to make it happen. But if you're a child of God, it can happen. You want to repair your attitude? Be careful who you hurt. Be careful what's going on in your heart. Be careful what comes out of your mouth. Number four, I'm finished. Be careful who you follow. What do you mean by be careful who... I follow. Paul concludes it with this phrase, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Our example in our attitude is Jesus. Follow me. Your example is not your friends, it's not your spouse. It's not your kids or your parents. All of those are reactionary in nature. As a child of God, we're never called to have a reactionary attitude. That is, you're treating me bad, I'll treat you bad. You, you got a bad attitude to me, I'll have a bad, and if you're good to me, I'll be good to you, but otherwise, I'm just sitting on edge waiting for you to be bad towards me, and I'm going to turn around and be bad towards That's a reactionary attitude, and that's what most people have. You treat me good, I'll treat you good. Treat me bad, I'll treat you bad. Bad attitude towards me, I'll have a bad attitude towards to you. Good attitude, well, that's not a Christian. The world does that. Our example is not to be reactionary. Our example is not to be the way it's coming at us. Here's what Paul said, our example, verse 31, here's what he said about ours, that our, our attitude should be kindness, compassion, and forgiving. The word kindness there literally means to do good deeds towards others. Compassionate means to be tenderhearted towards them. And forgiving, you know, forgiveness. I I like to define forgiveness as canceling somebody's debt. Kindness, compassionate, forgiving. Listen, that kind of attitude is a game changer. You say, well, I don't know anybody that does that. Yes, you do. His name is Jesus. And it was Jesus who said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And God said this, Paul said this, that every one of us, because that's the attitude God has towards us, kindness, compassion, and forgiving, Paul said then every one of you, you should mimic that attitude and be like Jesus and don't get your attitude cues from others, but get them from Jesus. Get them from Jesus. Close your Bibles and I'm finished. Be careful who you follow. I talked about this in my Wednesday night marriage class uh, weeks ago, some of you may have heard it, and it's called emotional contagion. It's the phenomenon where one person's emotions and behaviors directly influence others. What do you mean? Well, let let me see what this means a little bit. It means people who saw more negative posts from friends on Facebook tended to have more negative emotions, while people who saw more positive posts tended to have more positive emotions what does that mean even when it comes to social media our we're catching the emotions of the people around us it doesn't have to be people we're actually conversating with it literally can just be people that we see their social media posts and if we're if we're seeing negativity all the time then our emotions are going to be negative negative. and listen I, I want to encourage you right here um uh unfriend people unfollow people right here's what it found study also found that people who were exposed to happy or angry facial expressions were more likely to adopt similar expressions themselves so they did a study that had you watch facial expressions and more people mimicked those facial expressions that they were seeing so again whatever you're around you're catching their mood Whatever mood you find yourself around, whatever attitude you find yourself around, it is contagious. It's an emotional contagion. And and finally, emotions can spread quickly through a group, leading to a sort of emotional cascade that can significantly affect the group's behavior and decision-making process. You say, Well, what does that matter? Listen, your family is a group. And an emotional cascade happens? Mark said it Wednesday night in our in our marriage class. He said emotions are contagious. And there's a word for it. It's called emotional contagion. And somebody in your home is setting the mood for the entire home, and it's probably you. You're setting the attitude. For the entire home. You say, well, I, my, my husband's mean to me. That's why I mean to him. My wife's got a bad attitude towards me. That's why, I have, or my kids, or my baby. No, 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 that's not where you get your attitude from. Paul said, verse 32, 31, just as God also forgave you in Christ. You forgive others just as God forgave you in Christ. You showed a compassion towards others, tenderheartedness toward others, just as God showed tenderheartedness toward you. You be good to others, just as God is good to you. And for some of us, attitude repair starts at the feet of Jesus. You need to be careful who you follow and spend more time with the Lord If you need to repair your attitude, dive deeper into his word. You need to repair your attitude, dive deeper into prayer. You need to repair your attitude, go go in depth in a Bible study. Because who you hang out with, you're liable to catch their attitude. And if you want to catch their Christ-like attitude and repair yours, hang out with Jesus. Would you stand with me across the room? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Be careful what comes out of your mouth. It's setting the tone for your attitude. Be careful who you hurt because when you hurt others, you hurt God. Somebody Jesus died for. Be careful what's in your heart because you can't have that heart full of bitterness and anger and malice and wrath. It just... You can't have a good attitude and copy Jesus' attitude, not people around. That's how you repair your attitude. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, you can be saved today. Today. Now, I would say this. You want to repair your attitude? It's going to be impossible to do without the power of Christ in your life, the Holy Spirit working through you. So if you want to be saved today, You want to repair your attitude. You start with that. Some people can't repair their attitude because they don't have the powers of Christ in them to do it. And you're struggling in the flesh and the flesh cannot get it done. So if you want to repair your attitude, know Jesus as your Savior. If you're watching online, Pastor Jeremy's going to tell you how to do that.
1: Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that incredible message. Attitude repair. And uh, maybe you're not struggling. Maybe your attitude's just not completely messed up, but you need to tweak some things uh, in your attitude to make your family better, your relationships at work better, your relationships with people that you go to church with better. And uh, sometimes it's just good to take inventory of that and make the changes that God is calling us to make. Here's what I know, though. You can never make those changes without the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And maybe your first step is not to try to fix yourself, but it's to allow Jesus to take control of your life. And if God has spoken to your heart and you need to do that today, it begins with you understanding and being willing to admit that you're a sinner. Your sin separates you from God. You've got to be willing to admit that. Secondly, you've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross, that He was buried, that He rose again on the third day to pay the penalty for your sin and to bridge that gap of separation between you and God. And then you have to confess Him as your personal Lord and Savior. And if God is tugging at your heart and you know that's the decision you need to make today, tell God this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day. Right now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, I ask you to come into my heart, take away my sin, be my Savior, Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer, I want to say welcome to the family. We want to resource you. We want to help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. And so click on the link we've just dropped in the chat box that says, I commit my life to Christ. It's going to ask you a couple of questions, and it's going to send me an email. I'll connect with you this week. Hey, it's been awesome to be together this morning. I look forward to our times together each week. God bless you. Have a great week.